welcome to Life with Zan. I'm your host and friend, Zan Farrow. This podcast was created to celebrate how each of us breathe life into our own little corners of the world. Whether through work or play, it is my hope to honor the process and encourage others to do the same. Welcome to Life with Zan. Welcome back to the show, guys. Today, we're going to be chatting with my friend Tiffany Walker. She is the co-founder of her company, She Reaches, where she's a strategist to ambitious working moms, helping them to clear the noise from their lives so they can live with more peace and less stress. She is also the host of the She Reaches podcast, a new and noteworthy podcast, and it's also on the top 200 list of iTunes careers podcast chart. Tiffany previously served as a vice president of sales and product at a rapid growth technology company and has over 12 years of experience working with top media and broadcast companies such as Viacom, ABC, and Hulu on their digital strategy. She is a wife of 11 years and a mom of two daughters. You guys are going to love listening in on my conversation with Tiffany today. I had so much fun chatting with her about career and life. I cannot wait for you guys to hear it. Hello, Tiffany, and welcome to Life with Zan. Thank you for having me. It is such a pleasure to get to talk to you today. I'm pumped because you have your own podcast, and I... You've had it since when? 2016? Yeah, it's been three years. Okay, so that's not that long ago in the real world, but in the podcast world, (laughs) it's been around a while. And I'd love it if you could kind of share how your podcast began and how it has evolved into what it is now. Sure. So it really started because I originally started with a blog, which a lot of people do the same thing before they end up podcasting. Um, I started it with a coworker who basically just agreed. I said, you know, it'd be really fun to start a blog. And she said, yeah, like, let me know if you do that. Like, maybe I could (laughs) do something. And I was like, are you serious? And we ended up starting a blog. And then the real reason behind the blog that we started is because we were having a lot of interesting conversations as like working women trying to like juggle all the things. And uh, we wanted to share those. And so we realized over time that in order to really share a conversation, it really needs to be in a different form than the blog. And so I had been a huge podcast listener from very early days of podcasting. And we decided that it would be better to actually share the real conversation instead of try and put it down on a page for people to just read through. And so that's really how the podcast started three years ago, is to kind of have a different format for the conversations that we were having. Wow. No, I love that. That's so cool. And you mentioned that you've listened to a lot of podcasts in the past. And now I'm just curious, what are some you've listened to for a long time? You probably already know this, Dan, but The Lively Show definitely was probably one of the early ones. Um, Pat Flynn's podcast was an early one for me, too, particularly when I was in my corporate job. And I really had no idea that there was his is the Smart Passive Smart Passive Income podcast. I listened to like personal development ones like and things like one part podcast, which is about kind of like plant based eating, self care. Um, Jessica Mernan was like. She's, I would say she's like a podcast OG, but I just, I'm one of those people who likes to like consume as much kind of information and interesting things as possible. And so 
any medium that I can do that with, I do it. So podcasting wasn't different. And I'm totally the same way, but almost to a fault sometimes. I'm like, man, you got to chill out. You can't take it all in. You got to, sometimes you got to put things out. And (laughs) yes. Yeah. It's, it's hard. I think especially as creative people, we get so excited about things people are sharing and we love the different platforms, but it's good to, you know, take a break and kind of share your own thing too. So I wanted to transition into a little bit about your, the topic of your podcast, which can focus a lot on working moms mm-hmm. and you now run your own business from home, but you previously worked in the corporate world. And what was that transition like? I'm really curious because I know that working, being a working mom is, has to be difficult, whether you are at home or in the office. I'm sure there's different challenges in both places. And I'd love to hear a little more about that. Yeah. So, oh man, this is like a big topic, but I was, um, I was a VP of sales at this really rapid growth technology company. And I had been there for over 12 years and I was working with really cool companies. I worked with media companies and that meant I was traveling a lot. I was traveling to New York or LA to work with those companies. There were companies like Disney and Hulu and NBC and all these kind of like more sexy sounding things. Right. And at the time I had two young kids at home and I was doing all the things. My husband was, had a long commute and because I had been doing it so long too, I just felt like I was ready for a change. And I think often for working moms, when you're in those early years, it's really tough to make that shift or to feel ready to make that shift because there's so much transition going on already in your life with having a kid and adjusting to that. And so it took me a while to really figure out, okay, I'm really ready to make a shift. And like I had mentioned, I had started this blog with a coworker, which then turned into a podcast, which then I started exploring coaching. And so I did that stuff on the side for like over two years before I finally left my corporate job. And part of that is because financially to just take that big leap was a big deal. I was the breadwinner in our family. We, we were a dual income family, but just the way it worked out, I was like multiples of what my husband was making at the time. And so that was a huge, it was a huge shift for me, but Now I have flexibility in terms of the hours that I can work and how I can be there for my kids. I'm not kind of beholden to somebody else's schedule or somebody else's hours. I have kind of the autonomy to decide what I want to do. And just like we were talking about, I'm constantly learning. And that's something that I really enjoy about having my own business. And not that I wasn't constantly learning in my corporate job, but after so many years kind of in the same industry, doing kind of similar tasks, I just really always have that desire to consistently be learning. So so now I I do work from home. I work essentially 7 a.m. to 2 p.m. And then I go and pick up my older daughter. She's seven. And so she's in second grade right now. And I can... I, you know, she comes home, I help her with homework. We can spend some time together. Sometimes we go to the library and then we go and pick up my younger daughter and I can, you know, do all the things that were really hard for me in the corporate environment of like cook a real meal and (laughs) not have like a huge rush in the evening. And so, um, so yeah, that was the transition that I made. 
I see that. I so get that. I, um, my mother, she had a, a very big job for a long time. And well, actually when I was young and we lived in LA and they had a daycare in my mom's building. So she was able to kind of bring me with her to and from work every day, which I think made that transition a lot easier for her. Yes. Um, because she could come see me at lunch and I was in the same place and we still in, in LA, you spent a lot of time in the car. So <laughs> back and forth together, I think that helped a lot, but I don't, I think if she didn't have that, it would have been very difficult to make that transition back into work. So I so respect the time that goes into that. Is there anything you really miss about being in the corporate world? Yes. And I guess it's funny for me to say that, but I never want people to think that, I don't know. I think that running your own business, especially right now, is shown as something so glamorous and (laughs) that there's like no downside to it. And it's just going to be great. And you're going to be like location independent and travel and have your own hours. And I do miss some things. I miss having a team. I had a really close knit and really high performing team that I had built before I left my company and some of them are very close friends of mine now, but I miss them. I miss having that kind of like shared sense of like, we're all working towards the same thing, having a coworker. I mean, I'm most of the time at home, even though I'm talking to my clients, I do it all online. So it's either on the phone or it's via something like Zoom or Skype so I can video chat with them, but it's lonely. It can get really lonely. So I really miss that. And again, some people want to wear yoga pants all day, every day. And that sounds like the best thing ever, but I'm not that person. So I kind of miss having to like get dressed to go to work. And I still, I still get dressed and get myself together, but it's not, it's not the same. I don't even see like, what are the trends that people are wearing? Like when they go to work, I have no idea what those are. Okay. So I love that you said that because my, uh, Kelly track, she's my business coach and she brought up that she still gets ready every day. Like, mm-hmm. ready. and at first I was like, well, that's kind of silly, but I still see the value in it. And it, it just makes you feel put together and ready to take on the day in a way that just like sitting around and not having to brush your hair at all, put on any makeup or anything. You just don't, you're not in it as much. And And it's not temporary. Like once you make that leap and you leave, you know, a corporate environment or whatever your environment is before that, when you would maybe work from home or things like that, that seemed okay. Right. But then when it's not temporary anymore, it doesn't feel as good to do it every single day. You feel gross. (laughs) Yeah. Like you just don't feel like you're ready. Like you're lounging around when in reality, what you're doing is like you have serious goals for your business. And so wearing yoga pants all the time, maybe doesn't go along with that. Yes. Uh, No, I so agree. And um, another thing Kelly mentioned is she says, you need to show up for your job, your business, like you're showing up for a lover. You want to feel amazing and put together and ready to go. (laughs) And I I love that analogy because it is so easy to just kind of get in that complacent place where you're just kind of throwing on clothes, going on and check your email. But really taking that time to get ready just sets you up for such a good day. And I love hearing that you do that. And I'm sure it is a bit more instilled in you because you had that big career before and mm. you know what that feeling. So I'm, I'm glad to hear that it works for you because that inspires me to continue to get up and get ready every day. 
I think it also goes to when you're a business owner, particularly in the beginning, if you don't have this big team, it's all about you. And so your own health, your own kind of like wellness, self-care, that becomes so much more important than it did before. And so to me, it's kind of part of that of like, I'm going to take care of myself because if I don't, no one else is going to pick up the slack. Oh, I so agree with that. Thank you for sharing that. So you mentioned books and reading a lot, especially the beginning of this year. And I have a million <laughs> questions around this because I was fascinated. You, I think it was early February, you shared a, the, how many books you had already read within mm-hmm. 2019. And I was floored. So I wanted <laughs> to know now what date is today. It is March 21st. And I need to know how many books you've read in 2019. So I'm on book. I you gave me this, so I had to go back and see. I'm on book number thirty six today. Oh my goodness, Tiffany! Yeah, that's I know. I so where do you fit reading into your day? So, well, one, I just want to say, like, I've always been a book lover, mm-hmm. and so there's definitely been times in my life where. I haven't really been reading, but it's something that really kind of energizes me and fills me up. I love it, which is also why I talk about it a lot or I share books for people. So I, I mean, I fit it in, in a lot of different ways. Like, so for example, just like a lot of people, or maybe they desire to, I read before bed. And so part of how I have more time to do that is because I don't watch a lot of TV. So where someone might watch, you know, a TV show at night before they go to bed, I read. So I'm kind of replacing that entertainment. I also keep my phone out of my bedroom. And so again, like where I might be scrolling and looking at Instagram and like looking at my email, instead I'm reading. So it gives me a good chunk of time. That's the most consistent. But then I also, I mean, my kids are a little bit older. So sometimes when they're playing like in the afternoons, like before we need to get ready for dinner, things like that, I will read, particularly if it's a good book. And I just bring my Kindle along with me places because there's so many times when you're waiting or like in between things. And instead of scrolling on my phone, which I still do that, I'm certainly not somebody who's perfect with that, but I try and be conscious about how I'm using those little moments of time. And so I read in those moments of time. Wow. No, that's awesome. So my mom is an avid reader. I don't think she's read that many books this year. (laughs) It's like off the charts for even me to have read that many, but do you read just books or do you get into magazines or uh, newspapers or are you just like you're focused on the books? Uh, I read everything. (laughs) I mean, like I said, I, I don't know if you've ever heard of like, there's this test called, it's probably not supposed to be called a test, but um, it's called Strengths Finder. I don't know if you ever heard of this. I think so. I think so. But it basically gives you like, what are your top strengths? And the whole idea is that you should focus on your strengths versus trying to like strengthen your weaknesses. And one of mine is input. And it's all about like, kind of like collecting information. I feel like this is the theme of like what I'm saying. (laughs) But I just, I really love to learn. And so whatever format that is, whether reading articles, reading books, I mean, a lot of reading books for me is entertainment. So I don't force myself to read a book that I, you know, would just look good (laughs) to have read, which helps me to read faster too. 
so I definitely still read. I mean, I read articles in the New York Times. I read, I read things in like Harvard Business Review. I read silly things online on BuzzFeed, like, you know, all the things. I feel like you'd really get along with my mom. Y'all would be best buddies. I know. It sounds like it. <laughs> I think my mom's a little disappointed that I'm not as much as an avid reader as she is, but she definitely made reading a big part of my childhood. And so mm. I'm curious, how, did, how do you share this passion with your daughters? I definitely do. And for us, when they were really little, we just read to them at night. So it would be like a bedtime routine. And partially because they can't read to themselves at that age, right? But now my older daughter, like I said, she's in second grade. And so she can read herself. Mm -hmm. And so I take her to the library a lot. She sees me reading, which I think is something, it's hard now because I have a I have my Kindle, right? Or I have my phone. And so they don't always know what you're doing on a device. And so I talk quite a bit about it. My husband is always joking with me that like I, I chew books up and mommy's read another book. And so it's kind of like part of the culture of our family that like mom reads a lot. And I talk to her about it a lot about why I do that and how I enjoy it. And so she's become a bookworm herself. And I just love it so, so much. Oh my gosh, that's awesome. And so do you read books with them still? As in like, will you read a book alongside your daughter? Have you all done that? Yes. Yeah. So we still do that. And one of the places that I can kind of point people to, if they're interested, there's, um, someone who has a blog and it's called Everyday Reading. And she talks a lot about this topic, particularly about like how to share reading with your kids and why even when they can like read chapter books on their own, it's still good to read with them, even like read picture books. Um, And I actually enjoy them. So it's a good point. Like even as an adult, we enjoy some books, like they're beautiful pictures in some of them. And They have great themes. Like one of the ones that my girls has been wanting to read almost every night lately is called Be Kind. And it talks about like all the different ways that you can be kind with these beautiful photos. And I like that they're into it, but I can't figure out like, why are they so, I mean, I like that they like it, but why are they so into this story out of all the others? So that's their favorite book right now? Yeah. So that's their favorite book right now. I mean, we are overflowing as you can imagine with what I've been saying, we're like overflowing with books at my house, whether it's mine or it's the girls, they have stacks and stacks, um, in their room. We have them, you know, on the table, we have bookshelves. They're all over. No, that's, that's incredible. Well, having the Kindle helps a bit cut down on the library in your own home. (laughs) Yes. I love that for adults. I mean, for kids, it's a little different. I don't know when or if I guess they'll at some point shift over to that, but there's a big difference in like being able to hold a picture book than having it like on a Kindle or iPad for a kid. Do you have a preference of certain books you read a physical copy versus on the Kindle? I do actually. So I like to read like personal development or like business books Mm -hmm. in the physical copy if I can. And ideally I like to own them so I can like underline things. I can write a note in them because often like when I really like one of those books, I want to keep it right. Like I want to be able to go back to those concepts because most of the time I feel like they have so much to them that I can't absorb it right away. And so 
I just prefer that. And I prefer it over like listening to audiobooks. I know a lot of people love listening to audiobooks. I'm not as into audiobooks because I, I find it harder for me to like absorb the information, if that makes sense. So yeah, I definitely, I have a preference in terms of so if it's a personal development. Yeah. I definitely want it to be like the hard copy. So speaking of personal development, I, I know this is your world as well as it is mine. So I'm just so curious what your like top book recommendation would be. So this is so hard, Zan, when you're like, I'm going to ask you this. So like, oh no. <laughs> um, but the first one that came to mind for me is Essentialism um, by Greg McKeown. And it's like, it's the disciplined pursuit of less. And it's kind of all about figuring out what's important to you and then making room and saying no to the things that aren't. And that one to me, I've reread it several times, which is kind of rare for me, unless it's a really, really good book, especially a nonfiction book. But it definitely had an impact on me at a time when I wasn't really doing that. These days, I'm pretty conscious about what my priorities are. I'm really in touch with those things. But several years ago, I wasn't. And so this was like a lightning bolt of like, oh, like that's what's happening. That's why like my plate is over full and I just feel overwhelmed all the time. Oh, well, I'll have to check that one out. I've never heard of that. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Zan, go get it. <laughs> I will. I will. Oh gosh. This makes me want to go get a library card. I haven't belonged to a library in so long. Well, you know, I'm just going to keep encouraging you because I'm obsessed with the library and books and all of it. That's incredible. And I love that you're sharing that with your daughters. So speaking of sharing with your daughters, you shared something on social media last spring that cracked me up. And that and that sounds mean because you're going <laughs> But um last spring your daughters shared lice with you mm-hmm. and brought it into your home. And I promise that I laughed only because I have been in that scenario with my mother. And she still talks about it to this day. So I, <laughs> I want to know kind of how you work through that emotionally and I guess what, yeah, how it felt and kind of the phys- how long it took to get rid of it because. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And yeah, just kind of like what y'all went through as a family working around this very random weird thing. Yeah. So First, I just want to say I shared that because I feel like on social media, it was like I shared it with this beautiful family photo from our vacation. And I was like, this is really beautiful. But like behind the scenes, we all had lice. And it's because like it frustrates me sometimes, like looking at Instagram and seeing all these beautiful pictures and knowing that like real life is so much more messy than that. So that's why I originally shared it. But I... I hadn't gotten lice as a kid, but what I know now is that it's incredibly common. It's like the number one things that kids of like school age get. And not only that, I always thought it was like the dirty kids. I'm sorry, Zan. Um, But it isn't. Lice likes clean hair. (laughs) And so really it's like the kids with the beautiful clean hair that get lice and And it just like, it's one of those, that's more of an annoyance than anything else. And so I'm not sure which, I mean, both my girls were in different schools. I'm not sure which one of them brought it into the house, who knows, but it travels on hair. And so it's like 
as a mom, I mean, I hug them in our hair touches. Like they sit next to me in our hair touches. Like it's, I don't know how a mom, unless you have really short hair and my husband, obviously not obviously, but he has short hair and he did not get it. It just spreads really easy. And it's just a complete pain. It's a complete pain. It took us fully like probably two or three weeks until we were sure it was gone because it's like you comb it out and it's just, it's gross and it's itchy. And even thinking about it now makes me want to itch. Sorry. (laughs) I brought up a sore subject that I just couldn't help it because it reminded me so much of my mom and like when we went through that, oh gosh, I think I got it twice. And I think it was in third and fourth grade. Mm. And I just remember my mom like losing her cool. (laughs) She doesn't lose it a lot. She's pretty like put together and very, yeah, she just keeps things straightforward. She doesn't like let her emotion get in the way of things often, unless it's like a cute commercial that makes her like tear up a bit. Besides that, she's not an emotional person. And she just lost her cool and was like crying and upset. I was the first time I ever seen my mom like that. And it really made an impact on me because I think she was just like, what do I do with these yeah. like, little bugs that are affecting me and my daughter? And I just remember when we had finally got rid of them, we had a celebration party and we <laughs> we made ice cream sundaes. <laughs> and we just like celebrated that it was gone. And it's it's really funny looking back, but it it's it shows a lot and it's, it's, even though it's a weird memory, it's a good memory. And I just, I, yeah, I don't have a good memory of lice at this point. Yeah. So, but. You need to, you need to have an ice cream Sunday celebration. <laughs> maybe we'll do that of like one year lice free. Yay. Yeah, maybe a oh, one year lice free. Love it. Do that. <laughs> no, yeah. I just, I love that you shared that. And again, just, <laughs> the photo in the juxtaposition of here's this nice family photo versus like reality things are <laughs> yeah, like behind the scenes it yeah, was yeah. feeling very different than that <laughs> thank you for putting that on the internet I I appreciate the honesty <laughs> <laughs> and you were hinting at a little bit earlier you do coaching and mm-hmm. you have something called the working mom audit what is this service and like how does it help people kind of get out of their funk that feel like they're drowning in a to-do list yeah so like i like i'd mentioned i do my clients are working moms and most of the time they feel exhausted and overwhelmed and like they have way too much stuff that they need to get done and so the working mom audit is really just like a very focused service in terms of looking at calendars. So literally looking at their calendar at work and at home and trying to see how they're managing their time as compared to what their priorities are. And part of that is because there's a lot of systems that you can put into place that anyone honestly could put into place. It's not really specific to a working mom. It just becomes more complicated when you have other people depending on you like that. But it's really designed to help them to be more effective in less time because even things like at work, they may have very specific hours. I mean, I know I do. Lots of moms in corporate environment have to leave to go pick up their kid. And I have a big passion for supporting moms who want to have, like they still care about their career, but they also care very deeply about their family. And so it just kills me to like see, 
moms and even some of the like memes, I don't know if you see these, Zan, because you're not yet a mom, but they basically make a joke of how tired and exhausted and maybe like resentful of their husbands um, working moms are. And so I really want to change that narrative and help moms to realize like they have time. It just has to be something that's intentional and conscious about how you're spending it. No, I'm, I'm so glad you brought that up. And no, I hadn't seen those memes, but I do not like that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can only imagine having, I mean, it's, it's basically just me. Like I have a partner, but you know, she takes care of herself and we have a cat. So hey, I was going to say, you're taking care of your kitty. <laughs> oh my, oh gosh. Well, he is high maintenance, but it's nothing like a human. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I can't imagine being responsible for another person and, you know, really try, getting a good balanced schedule. So I can see how valuable having someone help walk you through that would be even though like, I think a lot of people could do it on their own. You really just need like that encouragement and that person to be like, I see you, like, I see what you're going through and let me help you. And we'll get through this. <laughs> it's a lot about like, cause most of my clients, it's funny that you say that because most of my clients are really successful women. Most of them are like either in like mid-level management to executive level in their careers. And so when you think about it, you think, well, of course those people can handle these things. And yes, they can, but they don't see the blind spots, right? Like whatever those like mindset blocks are, they still exist. Like I could still have somebody probably look at my calendar and say, Tiffany, like what <laughs> you're saying, you don't have time for this thing, but look, let's look at your calendar. Like you're just literally not making the time. Like you're not swapping out, like you're scrolling on Instagram for exercising for 15 minutes. Like you have the time. And so sometimes it's like that third party, like unbiased, taking a look and helping you to think differently about things yeah, is just priceless. No, that's, I told, I think we all need that in some way, shape or form in our lives. Just like that unbiased third party to kind of point out, you know, ways you could kind of tweak things to work better for you. So now out of curiosity, I'm wondering what program do you use to organize your calendar? Are you on Google Calendar? I count. Yes. Yeah. So I use Google Calendar okay. and I'm crazy about this stuff, which probably doesn't surprise you, but I have, um, I probably have six or seven different calendars to track all the things because <laughs> I have work things. I have stuff that's for me personally, like doctor's appointments. I have stuff for the kids. I have like if there's like a travel schedule or I have like a coaching appointment that's in the evening that I need my husband to make sure that he knows he's covering things. We have that. I have a meal planning calendar. I have like the exercise calendar. So yeah, I'm, I'm crazy when it comes to like organizing all the things. I, I really like hearing that because I've been, I've been wanting to get into being more organized with my calendar and I'm not, I am not good about putting things on it that aren't just like general work and I think it'd be nice to be able to see it all that way so I that that makes me feel like I should I can dive in and get it do you just color coordinate yes okay. of course I do <laughs> I mean who wouldn't want color codes for the different Sorry, different areas I mean the reason I do it is not to be like this crazy organized person um and it it's, yeah, it's just because I won't remember 
if yeah. I don't have those systems in place, I won't remember. And so then I'm going to be a mess because I'm like, oh, I forgot. Like, you know, for example, like my daughter a couple weeks ago, it was read for America week. And every single day she had to dress up as something different. She needed, you know, crazy socks. She had to dress as a storybook character. She had to dress in red or blue. And it's those kinds of things that are just hard to keep track of. Yeah. And so even if you don't have kids, I think it's one of those things of like, what is your system to remember things and to make sure that you're not letting those things drop? And to me, I have to just document it. And then in, I don't have to carry it in my brain anymore. I know that it's in my calendar. Yeah, I need, I need a system. <laughs> well, I can help you, Zan. <laughs> I'm going to work on that. I'm going to work on that. Oh my gosh. And then, sorry, you mentioned something yesterday that I wanted to touch on and it's um, that you were going to share on your podcast, Working Dads. And we were laughing earlier about this because that's not even a phrase we hear. And that's yeah. not something at all. So what are you looking to share there? Kind of, I guess, debunk ideas about what being a working dad is. Are you just going to try and neutralize the whole idea? Yeah. So I think this comes from, I've been working with um, moms for several years now. And it, I've come to realize which sounds obvious and it is obvious that it's not really just about the mom. Mm -hmm. It's about both parents. And so, and whatever that looks like, obviously, but it's the partnership that makes it work. And so I can do as much as I possibly can for a working mom, but it has to do with the partner too. And so, you know, she can't do everything all on her own. And so I think that we miss out when we just blame dads, like I said, you, if you're in this world, you know, there's so many things that basically says that the mom does twice as much as at home as the dad. And so even though as generations have gone on, men are much more involved in parenting and household things, it's still this huge imbalance. And instead of just listening to this negativity, I wanted to talk to working dads and um, give them a voice and give them a perspective because I know that not all dads are like that. They aren't just like heaping things onto their spouse or partner. And so I wanted to do that. And then secondarily, the other piece for me is about work environments. And so I started talking to them about paternity leave and just their experiences about paternity leave. And it just kind of evolved into like a much bigger thing where I feel like we are missing out when we just talk about supporting moms. We needed to talk about supporting parents overall. And so that's, that's where, I, where I am. We'll see where it goes. It's one of those that kind of just popped up and I'm just exploring it. That's awesome. No, I think that's so cool that you're talking about that. And it's, it's something we all know, but we just don't, we don't discuss. And I think that a lot of people will get, will get a lot from that. Just, just hearing it. And I think it may just remind people that to be more sensitive to all parents mm -hmm. <laughs> that may have things going on with their children or um, just serve as a reminder to people who are parents themselves, especially fathers, to that to take it easy on themselves. I'm sure they feel a certain amount of pressure um, just because of society and the <laughs> way we've uh, set things up over here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like there are these like traditional gender roles. And yeah. so 
even I was focused. I mean, I relate obviously much more and understand the perspective of a working mom, but it's like, it's another kind of traditional gender role to then talk to companies about how they need to support moms. And obviously they do, but really the reality is they need to support both so that dads can be more involved. They can also have more flexible schedules. Like it, it applies to everybody (laughs) instead of just to moms. And so that's kind of where I've landed. And I think even when you talk about things that people don't think about, like it could be two moms, right? It could be two dads. It could be adoption. It could be foster parents. Like there's all kinds of ways that families exist. And so if we only focus on the mom, I think we're missing out. Well, no, absolutely. And I love that you're doing that. So thank you. No, that's really incredible. And I think it'll serve so many people in a new way. And what is next for you and she reaches? Is it expanding on this new topic? Yeah. So a couple things are new or that I'm working on. One is I have just opened up a mastermind. So it's an intimate group of ambitious working moms. And the whole idea is that it's kind of like, I'm calling it like your advisory board. So just like in a company, they have this board of directors that advises on all kinds of issues and decisions for a company it's like that, but for working moms. So across career, across you know household management, parenting, all those kinds of things. And so it's really bringing together these moms because people feel alone. Right. And so I'm bringing those people together from my audience into the mastermind. And then the other thing I kind of touched a little bit on when I talked about the dads is working with companies. So I'm moving into more corporate consulting to help to support the moms in a different way because I realized that I can do only so much working one-on-one with these moms if kind of the environment and culture that their company is in isn't supportive of moms and of parents. And so that's, that's another area where she reaches is going next. You'd be amazing at that, like going in and talking with parents um, in a workplace. And I'd like to think that companies would support that. Yeah. And I've also had, I mean, you would be surprised at what companies are willing to do because I've had clients that have worked with me on some of the topics that we've, we've talked about already and their company has paid for it. And so I think we, we assume that they wouldn't, they wouldn't support these things, but I think a lot of companies really want to, they just don't know the right way to do it. Oh my goodness. Well, that's incredible. I'm happy to hear that people are supporting these parents. They need it. They need it. I um, only worked in a corporate setting for about uh, almost three years, but I saw how much uh, work all all the parents were doing. I was like, you have to go home after this and then get your kids ready and go to a soccer game. Like I, I, I'm tired. I got to go home and sit on the couch. Like I was, I was so impressed how the people I've worked with continue to show up day after day and put their best foot forward, no matter how much they had going on with themselves personally or their families. So I think the work you're doing is so helpful and I'm sure many people are going to benefit from it. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. So how can our listeners connect with you? So you can find me well, first you can go to shereaches.com. That's where all things she reaches and the stuff that we talked about 
is, and you can find information about the podcast. The podcast is called the She Reaches Podcast. So you can find that in your podcast apps. And then on social media, I am at She Reaches. Oh my gosh, Tiffany, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I'm so, I had so much fun talking with you. And I know everyone listening is going to get so much from this episode. So thank you. It was a pleasure, Zan. I appreciate you asking me to be on the show and letting me share about all these things. Yes, thank you. Thank you again for tuning into this week's episode of Life with Zan. If you'd like to follow along, you can find me at Zan Farrow, spelled Z-A-N-F-A-R-R-O-W, on both Instagram and YouTube. And if you'd like to check out my website, head to zanfarrow.com. I look forward to talking to you guys next week.